But I thought possibly you would um, like to be reminded of <coughs> the traditional Easter message, which is be being given all over our land, because it is indeed a very, very lovely and touching and affecting message if it's seen properly. Many of us had religious experiences as children that seemed to damage us. But that doesn't mean that the messages themselves were necessarily wrong. It doesn't mean anything. It means only that we wish to have our real thoughts, our real sentiments on this Easter day. And so let's look at what is being heard in most of the churches uh, in this land. The traditional message is that God so loved us that he gave his son to help us out. He gave his son as a gift. And what of the son? What of Jesus? Jesus so loved us that he gave his life. The traditional message is that he died for our sins, to cancel our sins. David, I don't know if this happened to you, but when I was a boy growing up in Texas, I can still remember hearing stories of people holding on to their Confederate money. I don't know. Uh, that's It's remarkable that it's that long after the Confederate War there would still be that, but I can remember still stories of that and still rumors that somehow we're going to bring it off. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, as a curiosity and a collector's item, uh, Confederate money now has some value. It has no money as it has no value as money. You can't go in and buy a specific item with it in a store because it was canceled. And that's the message. That out of love, love of the Father and love of the Son, all the sins were canceled, done away with, forgotten, forgiven and forgotten. And so the traditional message of Easter is one of love and forgiveness. And the message that no matter what you think you have done, no matter how far you have wandered, no matter how deep in shadow you have become lost, it matters not. All you have to do is turn and you will see that your father and your elder brother Jesus is there with open arms waiting for you. This is so important, this message. It's such a lovely message. We should not feel badly about the message. It's a beautiful, beautiful message. Our mistakes are wiped away. But who in this room yet believes that fully? Who in this room does not dwell on his or her mistakes as if they had tremendous meaning? As if perhaps the love of God dwelled in the mistake. What insanity. What is there to learn from a mistake except that we don't want to do it next time? Now that we want to learn. 
But more than that is simply to fill our minds with discouragement and shadows and darkness and to forget that the debt was canceled, the mistake was wiped away, that it has been forgiven, that it has been forgotten. My mistakes are forgotten. I will remember love. I wonder if you will say that with me. My mistakes are forgotten. I will remember love. Let's say it one more time. Now, wait just a second. Just a minute. I'm going to ask you to do this. Let's close our eyes. And let's really say this in our heart. Say it out loud also, but say it in your heart and see if you can sense just a little of the truth of this. That your mistakes are forgiven and forgotten and wiped away. The truth of that. So what will you do? Will you honor the mistake? Will you cherish it and prize it? Will you tell other people of it endlessly? Will you write long purple passages in your diary about it? Or will you remember love? And that which canceled the mistake, wiped it away, showed that it did not matter. It does not add up. It will not count. Only love counts. So now let's say it and see if we can sense some of the truth of it. My mistakes are forgotten. I will remember love. In the kitchen uh, last night, after a uh, frantic couple of days of hiding Easter eggs, the Easter eggs are so cracked, uh, they're just barely hanging on. Uh, John said that he wanted to pray. He was in the uh, kitchen. This is not uh, typical of John. <laughs> but he was very urgent about it. Uh, we were fixing dinner. We were in the middle of things. But he was quite, it was quite urgent. He wanted to pray. He wanted us to hold hands. And he didn't stop to see if we were going to do it. He grabbed my hand and uh, reached out his hand for his mother, who was hanging over a pot at the moment, uh, and uh, started and so we got around him and we held hands and I want to read you uh, John's prayer because I went immediately and wrote it down now it's actually it was a little longer than this <laughs> this is the uh, shortened version <laughs> of it <laughs> you should always do what you should do John has just turned five for those of you who don't haven't heard John's stories here before see as I told you Manny, uh, Dr. Manny as we lovingly call him, in New Claude, Texas, where I went to uh, Manny's ministerial school, uh, Dr. Manny said, now what will happen is that the congregation increases until Easter, reaches a peak at Easter, and then it dramatically falls off. It's not anything you said. <laughs> so I... <laughs> So I, I realize that uh, there are people here who will never be here again. <laughs> uh, so you may not have heard John's stories, but he just turned five, and this is his uh, prayer. His eyes were at first uh, tightly shut, and he tried the prayer that way and said he couldn't do it. He would have to do it with his eyes open. So he did. We, but he made us keep our eyes closed. You should always do what you should do. You shouldn't do what you're not supposed to do. 
You should not break light bulbs, uh, e even over the trash can, because they might pop out and cut you. You should not chew gum in bed, because you might swallow it and it would stop your breathing. You should not go near bulldogs and coyotes. God bless you. <laughs> There was no hitch in that prayer. It just came right out. Uh, and I was deeply, uh, and I know Gail was, I was just deeply affected by the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, I was just, it was, it was very touching. It was the urgency with which he did it. And uh, uh, so we don't need to get caught up in words. A Course in Miracles says that the ego invented words to create differences, to separate, but that the Holy Spirit assigns a different function. And so <clears throat> we wish to develop the, the habit of looking in the heart, seeing the, the deep urges of the heart, <clears throat> to seeing what people want in their heart. And then we won't pay so much attention to what their words say and how we would say it and whether the words are right or correct. I don't think I agree with any of this. <clears throat> I've, uh, well, you should always do what you should do. I guess that's difficult to disagree with. You shouldn't do what you're not supposed to. Um, as a matter of fact, I was the one who was breaking the light bulbs. I was showing what a filament was. <laughs> Daddies have to teach these things. This is the filament here, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I remember when uh, back in my uh, jogging days uh, I remember running into a pack of coyotes right in the middle of them in a, in a arroyo way out towards the Rio Grande and uh, they were on both sides of the arroyo and uh, they let me run right in the middle of them and they were doing you know this wonderful sound that they've got and this was during the day and then they just they became quiet and they just slipped away you see I, um, bulldogs I don't know <laughs> well God bless you I, I but there there wasn't any judgment of the prayer notice that we don't judge children they try some task that they've never tried before and we don't critique it. They try some new sculpture or piece of art or drawing. We don't feel called upon to even look at it through the eyes of judgment. And this we can do with each other. We don't even have to ask ourselves. We don't even have to question another person. Because a judgment always begins with a question. Is this right? Should they be saying it this way? Should this church be standing for this and that church be standing for that? Should there be this handout stuck under my windshield wiper? You see, we don't even have to consult it. What if our own child put something under our, under our windshield wiper? We would not even judge it, do you see? We'd simply see this child and this person and this person in the airport who's selling us uh, 
little plastic flowers or whatever, we would look past it and see the gesture. And so on this Christmas day, let's join together and do that. <laughs> Not handing out plastic flowers, but let's close our eyes. What did I say? <laughs> Christmas also. <laughs> I, I missed that course. Manny had a course on the difference between Easter and Christmas. I knew I shouldn't have skipped that one. Uh, <laughs> Let's close our eyes. And see what brought you here. On this lovely Christ, on this lovely <laughs> Easter morning, see what brought you here, and see what brought those around you here. See how gentle it is. Do you see how a single purpose unites us? There is indeed a love of truth, isn't there? There is indeed a desire to bring rest to our lives. Why can't we too? have peace in our heart and love in our relationships. Isn't that what brought you here? And isn't it obvious that that brought everyone else here? Just a little more peace, a little more rest. That's all you ask for. Just a little more love between you and someone else. Just a closer feeling between your child and you, between your parent and you. Isn't that all you want on this, on this Easter uh, morning? And seeing that, seeing how true that is, that what you yearn for is what everyone else here yearns for. Can't you love everyone else here just a little? How hard they try. How hard they have tried. And all they want is just a little peace, a little love. Just to be understand, understood a little. And now look over this world. Is there anyone who does not want that? just to be understood. Just to have a little less chaos, a little less pain. And can't you love them for that? Of course you can. We are one because there is one urge within the heart of everyone one urge, a very, very simple, gentle request. And so on this Easter day, let us judge no one because we have seen what is in the heart of everyone. Let us have no criticism, at least on this one day. Let us be toward adults the way we are towards children. We don't even look to see what our opinion of their drawing is, or their prayer, 
or how well they did this task. We don't even look. We see the gesture. They tried to clean up the kitchen. See the gesture and it will make you glad. Let us do that. Let's join together today, this Easter day, and love each person for the gentle urge within that person's heart. And let us judge nothing that occurs this day. Okay. But this is can be quite confusing, this message. Because we do look around the world and we do see so much cruelty, insanity, insensitivity, selfishness. And yet we are told that God loves us and this is what he made. There is, of course, another alternative. You do not have to insist that all the ugliness and all the selfishness that you see around you was made by love. Of course, this is a hopelessly confusing concept. And it is an unnecessary one. And Jesus loves you? Where is the evidence of that? You pleaded with him to cover the check. <laughs> Money was, was supposed to miraculously appear in your bank account to possibly some computer error, and it did not happen. And this is very confusing because we've pleaded for far, far more than that, haven't we, in our lifetime? Perhaps we don't plead. Perhaps we don't entreat any longer. But surely we did this at one time. And there was no intervention. And this is very confusing. If it is possible for someone to intervene, why doesn't that person intervene? Why doesn't that one intervene? It seems so clear that if this change were brought about, it would be to everyone's best interests. And so possibly we've even gathered together in groups and entreated and pleaded and asked and thought we asked the right way and used the right words and occasionally it seemed to happen but for every time it seemed to happen there were a thousand times we did not speak of that it did not happen and this can be very confusing is it possible there is someone so gentle so gentle that this one simply cannot interfere, cannot use even the least force, will wait until the very last second when you have changed your mind and when I have changed mine. Is it possible that there is someone so gentle that this one would wait as long as there is the least breath of conflict of ambiguity until we see clearly this is what we want and then it is as if 
the angels of heaven surround us and pick us up. For what is it that we see we want? It wasn't this change in the world. It was this simple change in our heart. And whenever the request has been unambiguous and clear and simple, who has not received this change within the heart? And now we walk on kindness and gentleness and peace and love. Because our heart has changed, the world is the same, but we do not walk through it in the same way. And there lies the difference. It does not matter, people, what you do, how far you wander, there will always be a friend with you. You will always be able to turn to Jesus and ask, and you will receive not changes in the world, not things that favor you, but hope and comfort and a deep, deep and lasting happiness. This is your right. This is your inheritance. And it will come to every one of us when we want just that and nothing more. Many of you are students of A Course in Miracles. And many of you have had the experience that I've had in reading those books that you knew who wrote the books. And I've told you before that when I began reading the books, I was still considered myself uh, an atheist, and I was very skeptical of all that stuff. I now realize that all of those words, even the word God and Jesus and Christ, spirituality and all the health food words and everything else, are not necessary. It is a tone of the heart. It is goodwill that matters and nothing else. But I went through a period in which the words were revered. I worshipped the words, even for a while, even though A Course in Miracles itself said not to do that, that the words were not important. They're important in the sense that they are as accurate and as clean of misunderstanding as words can be, but they are not perfect in the sense that it is a teaching aid for every single person. There is no one teaching aid for every single person, nor does there need to be, since help comes to each of us in a way that we can love and understand it. And hasn't that happened in your life? Hasn't there been a book when there needed to be a book? Or a comment from someone when you needed to hear just that idea? Or a gentle thought when you were struggling so hard about some particular problem and there was a, a little sense of peace that settled over you and you said, aha, I know what to do. Hasn't that happened to everyone here? Maybe it's been a long time, but indeed it has happened. But there is no lack of inspiration. A Course in Miracles is just one of a thousand, a hundred thousand teaching aids. 
There is no lack of help. There is no lack of instruction. All that we have to do is to pick a way and follow it. How many ways could you go from here to the plaza? How many ways? All that's necessary to get to the plaza is to pick one and follow it. And that's what we wish to do this morning. We wish to pick a way, not a course in miracles, but our way, whatever that may be, which may be a course in miracles, which is my way. But we wish to pick a way so that the year that follows Easter, this year, will be different in that we will have one way. And this will be the miracle. That in this year, we picked a single way. We did not ask if it were a perfect way. We did not quarrel with it or question it. We followed it. We did not judge it and backtrack and try other ways and walk down other paths over and over again. We picked our way and we followed it. And that's all we need to do. All you need to do is look in your heart on this Easter day and say, what do I wish to make of Easter? What do I wish to make of this message? Was there a love this great that it has been put in these terms? That a father would sacrifice his son? What more startling terms could it be put in? Does it matter whether or not it is literally correct? Is it necessary to quarrel endlessly on that question? The question is, is there a love that great? And can it be yours? And can you walk toward it? And will you walk toward it beginning this day? And the answer is, yes, of course we will. That's why we came here. That's what we wish to make of this day. And so what will we do this day? We will try just a little. We will love just a little. We will begin by loving each other here in this room. We can do that much. And we will take a step. And every time we remember love just a little, our gentleness, our forgiveness, our forbearance, just a little, we take another step. It has been called a journey. Perhaps it is more like building blocks, little building blocks. What, was, what are those little sugar wafers, little pastel-colored sugar wafers that you stack? You stack. Uh, what? Nickel wafers, is that what they're called? <laughs> Just a little wafer, one on top of the other, made of honey. That's it. You see, that's the walk home. You add peace upon peace. So all that's important is not your mistakes, but how many times do you remember? And so your ego will say, throw away the day. You didn't do it well. You're not doing it well. The day is lost. 
It is better to have no gain than a little, is it? Of course it isn't. Maybe it has been a disastrous day, but you can add one little wafer of peace. The stack doesn't have to be very high to reach heaven. But don't tear it down and go get different colored ones and start all over. Just proceed in your way. You know your way. You know your teaching aids. You know the words you wish to use. You know what calls to your heart. You know what gives you strength and hope. You know how to muster your resolve. There are people sitting in this room who are now capable of going through a day at peace. There are not very many, but there are a few. There are a few more that will be there shortly. There are a few more that with just a little bit more hard work, you will be there. There are others, there still is quite a bit of work to do. Go ahead and begin the work. It is a pleasant work. The work of happiness is to be happy. The work of the peace of God is simply to be gentle and at peace. Begin the work. Add the little wafer. And you will suddenly realize, I now have the capacity to go through a day in peace. This church is on a level. It's a level of teaching. I'm on a certain level of teaching. I cannot lead you to God. I'm not. I'm in the world. If I were not in the world, I could help you reach God. I can't help you reach God. But I can help you reach the path that leads to God. That much I can do. Because I have walked it as hard as I have been able to walk it for these past six or seven years. That is not a very long time. In just a very short six or seven years of hard work, I can now tell you I am capable of going through a day in peace. And this was not true even a few months ago. It is not very long. It is the straightness of the path. It is the directness of the path. It is the simplicity of the path that takes you there. Not how much you know. Not how many seminars you've attended. Or books you've read. Or systems you can quote. But just to look in your heart and to say, now I will live what I believe. And instead of trying to believe, still one more thing. Let us do that today. Let us begin today. Now, there is another message that is traditionally associated with Easter. And that is the praising of God. And I know many of you shudder just at uh, the thought of that. You've heard conversations sprinkled with this as if they were commas and periods. You've turned on radio programs and TV programs in which if you thought if you heard that phrase one more time, you're just going to scream. 
but it is, in fact, a very, very lovely concept. Now, at the Dispensable Church, we don't talk a great deal about Jesus and praising God. But there is no horror of that. There need be no fear of that. How can you praise God? If God didn't make the mess, for what will you praise him? And I would like to suggest a simple exercise. And that is that on this day, you be a receiver. You be a swallower. You be an intake valve. <laughs> the analogies just go on and on. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and let's, let's do this little exercise together. You have been told since you were a child that God is love and God is everywhere. See that just a little bit now. This is an exercise that perhaps you have done before, but it is a very good one because it is based on a truth, a fact. There is nowhere that God is not. There is nothing that you cannot look at and not see that you are loved. And so look at anything now and see it. The pew that you sit on, the padding was put there for your comfort. Whose else? It was made strong and sturdy so that you would be safe. The heating and lighting system of this building was put here for your convenience so you could see. Receive it. Receive the light. Receive the blessing of the acoustical tiles that are in the ceiling that absorb the, the sounds and make a quiet place for you. Receive the softness of the carpet that you will walk on. Receive the generosity of the Spanish Seventh-day Adventist Church, which has been so good to lend us their church home and let us use it, and have been so understanding and forgiving of us the dispensapalians which descend on this block like locusts every Sunday jamming up people's driveways <laughs> narrowing streets and so forth and your clothes make, your, make you warm and your hands are for touching. Would you please reach over and simply touch the hand of the person next to you very gently? It need not be confusing that hands can be used to hold revolvers and knives and instruments of torture and push buttons that annihilate people. That need not confuse us 
because love is everywhere. Love is in your hand. Love is in the hand of the person who is holding your hand. They don't like to do this. This is not the kind of thing they thought they would have in dispensable church. That's why they come here. They don't do those kind of things. And so how gentle and peaceful they are to do it on this Easter day. And what is the children's laughter for that you hear outside the window? If it isn't to make you happy. And now continue your own list. Look through the eyes of Jesus. For this one day, look through Jesus' eyes at anything and see that God your Father is there. There is a blessing. No matter what its original purpose was, no matter how else it has been used, there is a blessing there. It has been laid gently in place like a golden Easter egg in a little basket. So look at it all right now. Make your little list and see there is no place where you cannot receive, where you cannot be blessed, even in this world. And while you do this for just a little bit longer, uh, I'm going to ask that you bring, bring the children in. We, this may take a second or two because I think they're outside. Okay. Now, God, uh, John is very uh, fascinated with the concept that God is invisible. Uh, he, he, there's this hushed conversation every once in a while in the back of. As a matter of fact, I noticed the children love to discuss God, and John has got the bombshell because I can always hear he, in the middle of the conversation he always adds this. Maybe because he can pronounce invisible. God is invisible like germs. <laughs> but isn't everything that we've been speaking of this morning, trust and hope and peace and love and happiness, isn't that invisible? And yet isn't that what we want and isn't that what we feel most deeply? And so, I'm not timing this correctly. I guess the job around. And so we will fill. <laughs> Don't <laughs> get here. Uh, let me add then one more concept. As you looked through Jesus' eyes at the things around you, as you looked through the eyes of peace and gentleness and forgiveness, as you did that, perhaps you noticed that there was another way in which you act as a result of that. And it is that your function 
is to give love. It is not to receive love. Now that sounds like a contradiction because you are receiving love. But how did you receive it? By looking gently. How do you receive love from another? By looking gently. And so the other central concept in the message for Easter is that in any situation with any person, we are there to love. We are not there to receive love. Now, in loving, you will receive it. But that is not your function. And so there is nothing that you can do that will be a nicer gift for you on this Easter day than for you to say in your heart, I will do it all in my relationship, in my friendship, at my job, on the road, at the store. I will do it all. I will expect not one thing from anyone else. Not an acknowledgement, not consideration, certainly not reciprocity. I will be the good friend in my relationships. I will ask no one to be a good friend, and I will not define in my own mind what it means for someone else to be a good friend to me. I will be the good friend. I will be the good driver. I will get over on the side of the road when the person wants to go by even though I have the right of way. I will step back in the store even though it's my turn. Of course, no one has to do this. But if you truly would wish to have the softness of palms laid before you, and to walk so gently that you could walk on water. Then decide today that from this time on you will do it all. And if you will, this will be your gift. Now, how do you like that for timing? <laughs> An invisible Easter basket. Now the children are will hand you an invisible Easter basket. You need to pass it down. But each one, take one, please, and then I'll tell you what's in it. Okay, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Okay, pass it down. Everybody pass their basket. Everyone has to get one. Remember, they multiply in case you didn't get enough on your own. <laughs> uh, that's the meaning of rabbits, people. <clears throat> Now, any adult who did not get an invisible Easter basket, raise his or her hand. And, okay. Okay, kids, there's some people up here who didn't get any. People up here. One invisible Easter basket for each person. Raise your hand if you didn't get one.
All right, now, people, I want you to look in your basket. Look in your basket. It's right in front of you now. And I will tell you what's in it. This, of course, is the church of white sugar and white light. And so you know, of course, that <laughs> these will be sugar goodies in your basket. And I will tell you what each one symbolizes because it merely has this appearance. You will see that there is a moon pie. This is, of course, to symbolize peace. And you'll see a sprinkling of red hots. These are, do you remember red hots? Do they still make red hots? They do? These are anti-discouragement pills. <laughs> All you have to do is just pop one or two in your mouth. I'm popping a red, Mom. <laughs> now, for hope, you'll notice that we have trail mix with carob chips. Now, the reason this is for hope is that you always hope it's going to taste good. <laughs> And then for happiness, of course, we have Snickers. <laughs> and loving kindness, what better thing than Butterfingers? <laughs> and then one final thing in your basket, which is trust. Anything that looks like or sounds like Tootsie Rolls, <laughs> you would have to trust in order to eat them. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> and so what is your function on this Easter day? It is simply to be an all-day sucker. <laughs> and with that, we will bring on Tui. Ha, 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 ha.